Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Another Film Podcast. My name is Matt. My name is Colin. My name is Tierney. And uh, we're back together for uh, my pick for this festival run. Um, and along, you know, last choice was um, an LGBT movie, which is something that I would typically go and seek out at the Chicago National Film Festival. This week, uh, it is a genre, which is just thriller. Because, uh, you know, if there, were, if there was a thriller scheduled at SIF, as we call it. Um, Who calls it that? It out. You know, the trades, the the people, the people and the critics. No. SIF. Yeah. Chicago International Film Festival, SIF. Lady SIF. Anyway, uh, I would seek out a thriller. So I chose uh, only the second... No, third. The third Denis Villeneuve movie that we uh, have done on the pub. I chose the 2013 film Prisoners with an all-star cast, a truly star-studded cast. Um, <laughs> and I haven't seen this movie, I think, since 2013 because I saw it in theaters and remember liking it. Did not really know who Denis Villeneuve was at the time. Didn't really have a context for what he can bring to the table um but remember enjoying the movie or at least being uh captivated by its grim kind of uh bleak world that it presented um now this is the second time i've watched it and um i have some thoughts and i'm interested mm. to talk about especially the second act i think um but that's my that's my approach. That's my history with the movie. Who wants to go next? Um, <laughs> their review. Yeah. So I. So yeah, this came out in twenty thirteen, and I remember seeing a trailer for this movie and basically just being like, "Not for me." <laughs> it's just like, this looks really grim and really dark, and I just don't know if I can hang. Uh, and then this was not, so like 2013 was before I started like really trying to see every Oscar nominee in earnest, but, um, I was still trying to catch like as many of the easy, easily accessible ones as I could. So when this got nominated, um, I do was like, I did, I do remember being like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll give it a try. And I. I similarly to Matt, I remember really liking it in spite of like how difficult it is to sit through this movie. Um, and even though I did like it, I was just like, okay, I don't know if I'll ever watch that movie again. And then Matt was like, nah, bitch, you're going to watch that movie again. Here <laughs> so we here we are. Um, Back at it. I will say like, as soon as I saw it, this was the first Denis movie that I had seen. And so as soon as I saw it, I was like, wait, what? Um, and so then I fairly quickly after seeing Prisoners caught up with Enemy. And then from there on, Denis has just been like on my radar. Um, I'm, I would like to talk a little bit about his oeuvre at some point. It does not need to be at the beginning of the conversation. But yeah, I do today. think that this is like a really interesting... This I think this movie is very is a very interesting 
component of his of his output. Um, sure. But yeah, I like I rewatched it this first time in almost ten years, and I similar thoughts. Where I was just like, it's an extremely well made movie. It's two and a half hours long, but it does like it moves pretty quickly. I mean, it's a slow burn for sure, but it doesn't like to me. It never like dragged. I was always like interested in seeing where it was going, but it is a tough, tough hang. Um, so yeah, again, I don't know if I will ever watch it again unless somebody <laughs> forces my hand. <laughs> Yeah, that's me. I had not heard of this movie until Matt picked it, and I hadn't seen it until Saturday. I have mixed feelings on this movie, and I think uh, I would not agree that it moves. I would say the first half is very mm. slow and, like, struggled to engage me, whereas the second half was more interesting. Um, but, you know, different strokes for different mm-hmm. folks. Uh, and then the other thing, I think part of it is also... I think similar to the way that Matt feels about war movies is similar to the way that I feel about detective missing persons movies. Mm, Sure. Where they're all kind of the Mm -hmm. same and they're all like in the same way war is probably like a propaganda for military. They're all kind of like propaganda promo. Yeah. And it's mostly just that it's like, it just seems old. Or, like, tired. Whereas the second half of this, I was like, oh, this is slightly different than they normally go. Whereas the first half, it's like, okay, now we have the crying mom. Mm -hmm. And then we have, like, the distraught dad who's taking stuff into his own hands. And you're just like, okay, man. Do you really think locking a man in an abandoned building is a good choice? I don't know. And it was giving me a lot of... um, It was giving. What was the El Pacino? It was giving, yeah. It was giving... Well, that's... What was the Al Pacino movie we watched? Oh, Insomnia? Yeah, it was giving insomnia vibes. Interesting. And I, like, don't even really remember the plot of insomnia. Is that even a missing person? A missing person? No, it's a serial killer. Okay, well, similar vibes. Definitely similar vibes, for sure. Yeah. They're both bleak. Um, Mm -hmm. Rainy. This one was also similar to, like, Lovely Bones. Mm, Yeah. Um, Uh And I think it's probably also that I've, like, read a fair number of mysteries and then... Also, this is probably the biggest of all, is I grew up, my mom watched, continues to watch Masterpiece Theater on PBS mm-hmm. and Mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're, like, all cop dramas. <laughs> right. Um, or, like, detective, like, Agatha Christie type stories. And so it's very much like, okay. Which I think is also a little similar to... Um, Glass Onion? What were those? What was that? Mm-hmm. Knives Out. Yeah. Um, where it's like, is this supposed to be a joke or is this supposed to be a detective thing? But then it's, it's, I like a freelance detective. I like like a private eye, but I don't know. It feels, yeah, it feels like Gone Girl or mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> Lovely Bones or, um, what's the other one that I... There were a few other I couldn't think of. I couldn't Even think of like the Even like Mystic so. River of yeah. like... Yep. Mystic River, I remember being, I was also... Like yeah, I was, 12 I was like, I, I think that movie it. came out when we were fairly young. I saw it in theaters when on I read, Christmas. I had already read the book. Wow. <laughs> Look at you, well read. I read the book. Reading at a 40-year-old level. 
Okay. Mystic River? I mean, Tyranny probably was 40 when that book came out, so. (laughs) Um, Uh, No, I definitely was still sleeping in a bunk bed. (laughs) I was on the top bunk. The movie came out in 2003. I don't know when the book came out, but that would have been, for Matt and I, that would have been our freshman year of high school. I was still freshman or sophomore year of high school. No, that was my eighth grade. That was my eighth grade. Was two thousand. But is that a cop detective? I think you follow. You follow like the father. In the but I think like in the same way that's prisoner is almost operating on two sides. Yeah, it's both about the family and about the actual investigation. So like, it is doing a twofer. In a way that, like, Mystic mm-hmm. River is much more about, like, how did this impact this family? And then, like, Gone Baby Gone is much more, like, Oh, I love the Gone Baby side. Gone. Yeah. Love Gone Baby Gone. Sorry. I also <laughs> found myself wanting to be... I was more interested in the Terrence Howard, Viola Davis mm. story Underused. Than, Criminally yeah. underused in this. Yeah. Like, I... And, like, they had, like bit roles almost yeah. like very few lines and they were more compelling <laughs> I, yeah. than the the hugh jackman and what's her face maria bella. Um, maria bella so i definitely wanted yeah her i definitely wanted more of them i do think both of them are underutilized in this and as far as what i my like my thoughts on the second act is i feel like we needed more variety in what we were seeing uh, instead of just basically cutting back and forth between Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman. And, like, Hugh Jackman, the story is not progressing very much with him. Like, we kind of got it. No. We kind of know well where it's going. I don't know if that's necessarily fair. I mean, he starts by beating somebody to death, and then he progresses to... To death? Well, not to death, but, I mean, like beating somebody to near death. Not to death. Yeah. Uh, and then it progresses into putting them in a dark room. And then it progresses to scalding them with hot water. So, I mean, there is some movement on the character front for him. Right. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> like Tierney is saying, though, <laughs> it would have been interesting to see more of, like, okay, so he's choosing torture. Mm-hmm. What... Uh, and his wife is choosing sleep. Right. Well, it's just, and, yeah, it's just like medicating yeah. and ignoring. Viola, <laughs> Viola Davis tries to appeal to his humanity. Um, also, the whole arc of Viola Davis's daughter being found before Hugh Jackman's yeah. daughter would be so much more interesting to explore from their point of view. Right. Mm-hmm. Than just a man being like, I'm so mad. He's screaming a lot in this. Uh, should we just roll into it? Let's just get into it. I mean, we have, Sorry. clearly. <laughs> I know. We've clearly gotten into it. His his goatee really just... It's a bad haircut. It's a bad goatee. His name, but the character's on... name is Keller Dover. So there's like Keller a lot of Dover. things working against Hugh Jackman in this performance. And on purpose. Like, I think this is a very particular person that they are creating. Mm-hmm. Like... Which, some of those elements, I think, were lost in me the first time I watched it. But this is, like, it starts with him hunting with his son and praying. I was going to say, I think that was something that I definitely don't remember from the first time. But, like, him saying the Lord's Prayer, specifically the line, 
forgive us our trespasses uh at the very beginning of this movie knowing what is coming it's like oh (laughs) interesting (laughs) and in the same way that like i think a lot of these like stories lately uh particularly the last of us is kind of like what what lengths are you willing to go for your family Mm -hmm. um and Okay, one thing that I do want to talk about, and maybe this is the right time just to get into it, is, like, at, at a certain point in the middle of the movie, Jake Gyllenhaal does, like, a little background research on, uh, what is his name? What, Keller? Keller, Keller Dover? Keller, Keller Dover. Dover. And I, it, like, tell me if I'm wrong, but he looks up an article about Keller's father mm-hmm. who shot himself. Mm-hmm. And died. Mm-hmm. But the detail that we notice is that there was no suicide note left. Mm-hmm. Is the suggestion that Keller killed his father to, like, protect his mom or something? Interesting. And is that the first inkling that maybe he's willing to go to lengths? Like, no suicide note being the thing that is called out, I was like... What is the significance of that? And is that mm. something that we're supposed to assume something about? Um, and almost in the same way that, like, yeah, there was something else that suggested maybe he's from, like, his father was abusive or something like that. Um, in the same way that Jake Gyllenhaal's character references going to a school and seemingly suggesting that he was abused by priests at that mm-hmm. school. Which kind of puts both of them in this like having been abused kind of uh mentality this like shared experience that both of them are coming to this particular case with which is you know about children's getting children getting abducted and Mm -hmm. potentially abused so like that element of hugh jackman's character i found interesting but he's so likable as like a person hugh jackman Hugh Jackman and okay, like his yeah. performance, like when he's genuinely emotionally distraught or heartbroken, I think he's like one of the best actors we've got at it. Like him choking up or like having to work through like a breath when he's getting overwhelmed, I mm-hmm. think he does so well. And so those moments you're really like, yeah, I think I would lose my mind if I was a parent when this happened to me. But like because of that, I never quite believe the actions that he's doing, mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense. Cause that's what we're seeing. But like, it never feels quite like he's as dangerous as the kind of the circumstances and his character is written as this kind of like dangerous person. And he tortures somebody, but it never feels like he's like intimidating enough. I don't know. Yeah. I, I definitely didn't, I I didn't make that connection with, I I mean, obviously I did notice the no suicide note, like, like part of the report that, or like the newspaper article or whatever that um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is reading, but I didn't necessarily make that connection that he maybe was involved in that, but I do think that's an interesting read. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just that the dad killed himself. Yeah. And that's like a history of mental illness. But 
yeah, I don't know. Or just, yeah, a bad thing in his past that, like, Mm -hmm. would be... Would make him especially protective of his family. Yeah. Okay, maybe more of that. Um, And the directness of Maria Bello being like, I thought you were going to protect us from anything. (laughs) I thought you could protect us. And then he's like, all right, I guess I'm going to kidnap Paul Dano. Here I go. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, I mean, it. That's where I had trouble following or, like, getting on board is it's like, okay, clearly this guy didn't do it. Well, but why is he saying weird little things like that? Yeah. Like when what? He's like, they didn't they cry didn't until cry. I left. I don't know. I'm still a little confused by how he was involved at all. He picked him up and brought him home, brought them home to their mom, their his mom. Okay. Yeah, he he just mom. wanted to like they just wanted a ride. He wanted to give them a ride. He took that. I he wasn't maliciously taking them to oh, the abductor. Because he, like, I don't think he, I genuinely don't think he knows better. Because they say that he has, like, the IQ of a 10-year-old or whatever. So, like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that he knows the extent of what his, like, to Tierney's point, quote-unquote, mom is doing. So, I think, like, the girls were just wanting to play around in the RV. As we saw when they were just, like, like, on that walk, they were like, ooh, this looks fun. Um, And so, I think he just, like, offered to give them a ride and just out of habit went home and then that's where i see yeah also the motive of his mom is like really it's that's we couldn't have spent 10 more minutes to try and think of something a little bit more complex or believable (laughs) oh actually i i really liked that yeah i think i needed it to be crazy like more heightened but her just kind of being like oh yeah and this is our way that we attack god i didn't like her performance it's a really like subdued performance from melissa leo who i like mostly know as the mom in the fighter which is a like the exact opposite of a subdued performance um but also like Hugh Jackman's just been beating the shit out of another guy and like breaking sinks and being incredibly volatile and then all of a sudden he's like oh you have a gun well I think it's it's I guess I'll give you everything you want well it's a combination of he knows that his daughter is still alive and still there so I think it's not necessarily like oh I'll give you everything you want because you have a gun it's just that if you shoot me and I'm down for the count, then you'll probably go shoot my daughter, too. It's like, to me, that red is, like, very, like, I think he was being, like, I will be submissive because I know that me being submissive gives my daughter the best chance of getting out of this situation alive. Doesn't he, doesn't he give up before the daughter's even mentioned? No, he goes back to the house because he, like, the reason he knows that is oh no 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 like she has the gun on she her. pulls the gun before the daughter is mentioned. Well, I know because no because the, the only gun, reason he says, he's at, I was the, getting your crazy. The only reason he's at the house when she pulls the gun is because he knows that his daughter is there. 
she doesn't pull the gun on him the first time he goes to the house to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the second time when she has the gun pulled on him, she explicitly says, or I'll shoot you and then I'll go shoot your daughter. Yeah. So, like, from that point on, he can't give up. Yeah, but he's, like, 6'5", and she's, like, 5'4". There's some distance on him. He... I mean, yeah, he could probably charge her. No, like, when she comes and drops the Kool-Aid or whatever on the counter, he could have just punched her in the face and taken the gun. I think Maybe. I... That's where I'm like, he gave up so fast. I, I still, like, it didn't, I, I see what you're saying. It just, it did not yeah. bother me at all. Because, again, I think it, it was, to me, it was very clear that he was like, I know, like, literally everything that I've done over the course of the last, like, this entire movie slash, you know, week or however long it's taken place in the story, like, has been to get his daughter back. And I think he realizes that, like, mm-hmm. him not trying to fuck with her is the best chance that his daughter has of getting out of there. Cause I think even if he, even though his daughter is just laying on the floor in like the next room. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> would have been easier. Yeah. But I like, if he charged at her, he, and he, he shoots, like, like she shoots him. Like presumably he's going to be out of commission in some capacity, right? Like, even if she doesn't hit him, like, in the chest or in his head. Like, she would put him out of commission long enough for her to go and take out his daughter. Right? Like, none of that read, none of that read weird to me. Like, it was like, yeah, this seems like something you would do if you know that, like, you're being held at gunpoint and also your daughter. Like, the, the person that you've been doing all of this stuff for, their life is in the balance. You're going to do what you have to do. Which may be to submit. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Well, now we're at the motive. <laughs> so, should we talk about the motive, I, or like even like the the actual circumstances of like who's related to who in this mystery of like? So, her and her husband mm-hmm. had a kid, and the kid died. Mm-hmm. And so, when that happened, they lost their faith, and Mm -hmm. as a way to attack God, they decided to kidnap children so that other people would have to go through what they went through. Kidnap or kill? And kill? Both. Both, Both. whenever they wanted to. Uh, One of those kids was the child of the woman that we go... Maybe not. Yeah. Yes? Yes? Okay. The woman that was like, he's just gone. Nobody That's did anything. Her, that gone. was Paul Dano's mom. Okay. Okay. That, yeah. So they, there's a line where um, Melissa Leo's character says that he was the first boy that they took. Yes. And the timeline is like, if you, if, like, if you go back, the article that Jake Gyllenhaal comes across when he's tracking that woman down... Mm-hmm. is like you know august whatever and i think she even says like she says the date so like it's it's not like super clear cut but that is who that that is who alex is is Got actually it. that woman's son and the other guy uh david del mountain <laughs> how do you say his name taylor dust Dest- yes. d-a-s-t malchin m-a-l-c-h 
Ian, I-A-N. Interesting, sorry. He was the first kid that they, or just he one was of the kids. He was a that kid kidnapped. that they kidnapped, but he was able to escape. And was just really fucked up from it, and mm-hmm. that's why he was doing what he did. Yeah. Which was really nothing. Yeah. He was just, like, getting, like, pig parts and using the blood to, like, store snakes with blood clothes. Yeah. And bury mannequins. Yeah. He's, like, trying to, like, copycat without actually killing anybody or kidnapping anybody. There's a lot. Melissa Leo has the line where she's like, my husband collects snakes. And so, like, Mm -hmm. that's, like, that little connection there. And then when he, like, when that guy is breaking into the houses, he's just trying to get some of their clothes so that he can, like, further emulate his copycat situation. Yeah. I think, like, the snake stuff was, like, like felt like red herrings where I was like, yeah. wait, so who's, the, who, why does he have snakes then? Okay. Similar to red herrings, I truly... This is probably the most baffling part of the whole movie. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal finds a body with a giant medallion <laughs> on his chest of a unique pattern, a maze. And yet, when he walks into the guy's house and sees that same pattern all over the walls, does not make that connection, does not make that connection when he's in the station interrogating him does not make the connection until he throws a bitch fit in the office and then like happens to uncover a picture of the medallion and it's like Mm -hmm. how bad are you at your job that you couldn't catch (laughs) i mean not also not unfair um okay and so he was at least make it small it was a a big disc it was the size of a it was not that large It it was this big it yeah. was a coin size. It was it like was a half huge. dollar size. It was not the size of a CD. <laughs> um, in my mind, it was. <laughs> okay. Well, while we're talking about it, might as well while have we're been. talking about things that I feel like Tyranny has uh, embellished. Uh, I read Tyranny's letterbox review before I watched the movie, <laughs> and it said something to the effect of, "This movie would be better if there weren't if there wasn't a barking dog in every single scene." And so then when I was watching the movie, I was like, I think there's maybe like three scenes that have barking dogs in them. When they're in the neighborhood. Yeah, but the dog just barks throughout it. And having a I, dog, it was a very I understand. I understand watch. why. I get it. I'm just saying. I was like, I didn't I didn't think there was that much dog barking in the movie. Um I thought there was. Also, too much. Okay, so okay, that that clear clears up some of it for me. So he was just drawing all that maze because that's the necklace that he would look at on the sky, right? Well, and I think there's like a um so there's the conversation the Jake Gyllenhaal has that conversation with like the like medical examiner or forensic person or whoever mm-hmm. when they're like scouring that guy's house. And there's like a book that he talks about and that book has like uh i think that book has like a that maze oh yeah at the end of it so i think it's and there's like that one shot when we get that like weird kind of like it's not like a flashback but just kind of like the 
the quick visual cut of like the girls trying to escape and like when they're being like trapped that's there. such a weird edit very bizarre but there's like a one of the shots in that sequence is like a book of mazes like a book of puzzles mm. that's just like dropped on the floor and i think there's like a like a sign on it that says something like finish the maze and you can go home or whatever um but then I think someone says that. Is, to that, them. is it is it something they say out loud? Okay, I couldn't remember if it was like like mm. written on there or not. But anyway, um, so I think like there's my guess is that like when he was being held captive, he was uh-huh. doing that maze or several mazes regularly, and the idea of that specific maze is that it can't be solved, right? Like somebody says right. something. Oh right. Okay. So it's like if you're if the if you're trapped and you're told solve this maze and then we'll let you go and you spend all of your time trying to solve this maze and you can't solve it because it's literally an impossible maze right. and then you somehow get out like presumably that would stick with you. Oh, so. interesting. Yeah. I just feel like Maybe the medallion on a dead guy would be more I to- of a clue. Than- I totally agree. In the agree basement with you. of a priest. I, yes, completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it's a very, very, very fair read on the situation. Yeah. Uh, also, I just did you guys like Jake Gyllenhaal yes. in this movie? Did you like his character? His character, no. But I think he was really? good in this movie. I like his character. Yeah. Why didn't we like his oh. character? Oh. I have notes. <laughs> The eye blinking thing, Here's, the tick of blinking hard, I think is a suggestion that he has some PTSD. That he, there's like a, yeah. a trauma yeah. response, and that's why he does this. While Tierney's looking up her notes, I, uh, I was going to text the group uh, and be like, Matt, how dare you select a movie with one of the Halls in it? I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I don't care. Well, for, I'm not going to resist getting first, Jake Gyllenhaal in our picks just because there's blasphemy (laughs) flung about so basically uh i have a couple notes the one of them is the toolness of gyllenhaal in this movie is how i imagine he really is and then him whisper rapid fire interrogating the rv guy makes my skin crawl (laughs) it's like asmr (laughs) it was like it was i like felt sick and then I have another one that just says, I, all caps, hate Jake oh in God. this. And then I have the one on the giant maze medallion. <laughs> and Oh, and then I said, why does Jake keep leaving his keys in his car? I was wondering the same thing. Like, he keeps uh. getting out of his car, and his car is just like, bing, 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 bing. And then he shuts the door. <laughs> yeah. Like, Dude, what's happening? <laughs> is that a character trait? Is that on purpose? What would be I mean, the reason? yeah, clearly He's, it is on purpose. He's got a neck tattoo. But... Of a cop sign. <laughs> okay, I can see why he's a douche now. Um, <laughs> also, it, his haircut reminds slick. Yeah, back it's like hair. his haircut's pretty rough too. <laughs> like the just the slick back hair. It's like ugh. inability to like deal with any remote setback without throwing a conniption fit. I feel like he he did this role. And then the script for Nightcrawler just, like, happened upon, upon his desk. And he was like, oh, I have a starting point. I know and I this. Can, I can really <laughs> elevate 
Because as I was watching this, I was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely, like, pre-Nightcrawler, but, like, just before Nightcrawler. Like, it's very, very similar, Mm -hmm. like, just insane vibes that he's giving off. Uh, I did like at the end uh, (laughs) when, um, I forget, the uh, Bello, Maria Bello, is that what you said? yeah. Yeah. When she wheels her kid in and is like... She wanted to say hi to her hero. I don't know if you guys caught the side yeah. eye that Viola Davis gave us. <laughs> Glorious. <laughs> I was like, oh, I am with you there. <laughs> I also the... like... Anyway, those are my Jake notes. I like how oh, Maria wow. Bello was just like... Literally incapacitated from the loss of her daughter. Which... Totally fair. I don't have children, but I can... It doesn't give I, a fuck. That's what I was going to say. Like, I can totally see... Like, it is. it totally reads as a fair reaction to a parent losing their daughter. No notes on that part. But, yeah, when when she's having that conversation with him in the hospital, she's like, basically doesn't really give a shit if they ever find him. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty hilarious. Because he's going to yeah, jail anyway. Like, I mean, you either don't find him and I have my daughter and that's all I really care about, or you do find him and he goes to jail for the rest of his life and I still have my daughter. So I was like, I thought that that was pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. um, another Hall note I have is just that uh, this is another movie where Jake Hall explores a basement or a crawl space. Yeah. It's a trend. He loves basements and crawl spaces. Yeah, I feel like there's more basements in uh, Pennsylvania than there are in California. So, at least it made sense here. Okay, also, where do you think this movie is set? It's set in Pennsylvania. I thought it was Portland. It's. Do you know where it was filmed? I have no idea where it was filmed. Georgia. Oh. Like, what? I mean, I this guess that looks makes like sense. Canada almost. Yeah, but they put just like a filter on everything. Yeah. Wait, it's like almost always raining. Uh, the license plates. All of the license plates. license plates. Oh, that's what I was going to check and I forgot. So. Yeah. It. I mean, it does feel like a very Pennsylvania movie. Yeah. Like it feels. In the Alleghenies. Mm-hmm. Like Appalachia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, Interesting. It reminded me a lot of. Um, when I was watching it this most recent time, it reminded me a lot of Mayor of Easttown. Which I still have to see. Um, just add to the list of missing children detective oh. situations that we were talking about earlier. But uh, that one is like... Broadchurch is oh, another yeah. one. What about oh, Grace Point? But Broadchurch is What about good. Grace Point? The American remake of Broadchurch. <laughs> I never watched it. Did you watch Broadpoint? <laughs> or what about Grace Church? No. <laughs> I didn't. Is Olivia um, Coleman the detective in Broadchurch? Wow. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, so it's Olivia Coleman and David Tennant in Broadchurch, right? And then in Grace mm-hmm. Point, it's Anna Gunn of uh, Breaking Bad fame, mm. and David Tennant reprises his role, but wow. is American, and it's like what? <laughs> and then it was like, oh, clearly Olivia Coleman was the. <laughs> like mule for this show also the town that it takes place in is so pretty like the cinematography of broadchurch is really good i like broadchurch a lot 
Well, I'll check it Not out. Not the first Olivia Coleman role mm. I ever saw. Mm. I believe that goes to um, Peep Show. Oh, oh yeah. It's fun. <laughs> and then the David, is it David Mitchell show? or That the, Mitchell and that Mitchell and show. Whatever show they have. Num- yeah. Mitchell and Webb, yeah. Um, where she, shout out to Jim, number wing. Oh yeah, that's number <laughs> wing for sure. <laughs> um, um. Uh, also speaking of yeah, other other movies like this in that genre, I do re- recall in the first SIF that I went to, I saw Red White. Red White. Oh, nice! <sighs> oh, Nailed it. No. I. Had a problem when I was younger, and I couldn't say W's and R's, so don't make fun of me. I'm not making fun of you. I was actually, Lila was in town just this past week, and there's a trend on TikTok for the gritty. I don't know if you guys have come across it. But have you, you sent it to me? You start talking like this, and so it's the gritty, and that's how Lila used to talk. She'd be like, my name's Lila. But we get her to say things like the screwdriver's in the drawer, and she'd be like, the screwdriver's in the drawer. And she, because it's a TikTok trend, people have been doing it more. And she's like, I have to be careful because I start doing it and then I have to mm. unlearn it. Oh, no. It God. Again. I was going to say, I feel like that's how a lot of people that I know with accents, like one of my friends from college uh, grew up in Louisville. And you would not, like, she does not have, like, a Southern accent at all. But, like, I went out with her. I was visiting her uh, family once. um, and we went out for dinner and so it was like her and a bunch of her relatives who all live in Kentucky and then like we were all drinking and by the end of the night I was like oh there's a side of you I've never seen before because she just started speaking with like a southern drawl so I do think that that is like a thing that happens when people have been yeah imbibing that they like Bebe. revert to how old were you Matt when it when you fixed oh it? I don't know probably like before school really so like five um, mm. but, and I don't know if I fixed it. I didn't get anything proper done. I just had to think about it more, but like red writing, I really have to like think about red writing mm. 1979, which is where I was trying to get to, uh, but it's a movie about like a local town where a bunch of people go missing or like people keep going missing and then showing up dead. So it's like a serial killer that's in the area. So thematically, structurally, Similar to this. So, yeah, very much in line with why I picked this movie. But, um, yeah. Question for you, Matt. Uh-huh. When you see a movie or television show and there's a missing person plot and they have a candlelight vigil, what do you think of? Oh, like church? No, no, like what's the first association that comes to your mind? Uh, Christmas Eve service for me is the answer to that question. Yeah, or do you mean like a movie? Mine's search party. I can only think of search party anytime there's a video. I should, but that's not what I think of. A missing person. Oh, also, yeah, that's a good point because I love search party and that's another missing person thing. Maybe I do like missing person stories. Not in real life, but just as a Thank you for um, clarifying. I'm sure mm-hmm. every, I'm sure listener was. <laughs> yeah. At first, I thought you were trying to get me to say the Water Boy because that one has a notable candlelight <laughs> vigil in it. 
And I was like, I don't know where we're going with this, but if you're going to say the water boy, that's not my first association, but now I mean, maybe it, it is. I was going to say, clearly it is, because that's where your you brain is. You can went. do it! <laughs> um, but no. I think also, like, Gone Baby Gone, or uh, Gone Girl has a number of vigil scenes, I feel like. Mm, mm-hmm. It is fun. I read the book. I never saw the mov- the whole movie. It's it's good. It's really good. It. Fincher. It's a Fincher. Feels very similar to v- Villeneuve. Mm-hmm. Villeneuve. Um, uh, also, this is a Thanksgiving movie. This is another note that I have. If you if you have to pick a Thanksgiving movie, this technically counts because you start on Thanksgiving. So, yeah, that be I a just I love getting the whole family together, Fun with the family. having a nice dinner all together, yeah. and then sitting around the TV and just watching just two and a half hours of some of the bleakest shit. Yeah, you can watch. Sounds like just a great, saying. a great Thanksgiving to me. <laughs> If you want it. Also, I love that Jake Gyllenhaal's character is introduced at a fast food place on Thanksgiving. I think that's very tight mm-hmm. character development to be like, this is who you're dealing with. Yeah. He is very lonely. I didn't realize it was Thanksgiving, so I missed all of that. Yeah. They say it a couple times, and you could tell that. No, for him. Oh, yeah. Like, the well, first time we see him, I didn't put it together, oh. but it was still Thanksgiving. Because yeah. it's just that night, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Should I just run through some notes? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you said you had some thoughts on the second act. Did you, did oh, you kind get of, all I, of those thoughts out? Basically. I just okay. think it's like, it's watching Jackman descend and become more and more torturous. I think kind of like loses steam the more it goes. Like, it's like, oh no, it's getting so much worse. But I think like scalding him and punching him until he has no eyes to see are, like, not that much different. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's the severity is still, like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this to another person, especially somebody who you're not even sure of is involved with your kids being missing. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, and I don't, I don't feel like the, the tension gets that much higher. I feel like a lot of, like, the actual investigation is kind of like, oh, maybe it's this guy. Oh, this thing is weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a bunch of snake-filled chests. Okay, now he's not talking. Like, it doesn't feel like it's like... In the same way even Zodiac has this kind of like... Things seem to be getting more and more weird or more and more cryptic. Mm-hmm. This kind of like stasis is for a lot of the second act of like... Jackman's torturing and Hall kind of doesn't know where the fuck to start with any of this. Oh, I thought that was... The, I would have put that as the first act. What's what? the second act? Okay, then maybe it's just... I'll revise my early statement, which is just the the third act, I guess, is the part that I mm. thought was good. Yeah. But yeah, the, the middle chunk, I was just like, what's happening? The middle chunk is just kind of like the same beats. There's no high I do agree with you yeah. on that point. Like, I, it is just the same shit over and over but to me when i was watching it both times i do like i do think there's some just like tension that's Mm -hmm. really like really effective like yes like the plot isn't necessarily going anywhere and the characters are fairly like static throughout that moment like that segment but i do think that like the sequence where the um david desmalchian character 
is like breaking into the houses is like really tense. Like I find oh, yeah. it to be like very just like oh god, and I agree with you, Tierney. It's totally insane that Jake Gyllenhaal, like the whole the like his handling of that whole situation is bonkers. That he just like goes there alone. And, like, clearly he knows that this was some guy who ran away from him. Clearly there's some, like, weird shady shit going on. He should have had backup with him, but he's just like, I'll just go alone. And, like, the fact that he doesn't make the connection. Because, yeah, like, you see the, like, you see the mazes on the wall and you're like, okay, this clearly has to be related in some way. Like, might okay. maybe he isn't yeah. the killer specifically, or isn't the abductor specifically, but like in some capacity, there is a relation because I like, I can make the connection between these mazes somehow Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't, which is wild. But I found like that sequence where he's going through his house, like really like the tension, it reminded me a lot of that sequence in Zodiac when he's like in that guy's basement where you're just like, I feel so on edge that like anything, like something terrible could just happen at any moment and like the first time the snake just like slithers, I I like literally jumped. Mm-hmm. And so there's a music sting too. They really yeah. accent that like, and like the whole time it's just like he just put that guy in handcuffs. Like there's nothing to stop that guy from getting up off the ground and like coming in and chasing right. after him. Or like you don't know if this guy's like working alone or if there's somebody else in one of the other rooms. You know. So I I agree with you that like not much happens in those like in the middle chunk but i still found it like fairly compelling to watch because i think it was still like i was still like on the edge of my seat like oh god what's gonna happen um i i think and maybe what my problem is that i feel like the and maybe this isn't the story it's trying to tell i think hugh jackman's character is such a specific like uh theme of mm -hmm. like this religious man who is willing to compromise his morals in order to protect his family to get his daughter back um i i think there's also but, like a like a toxic masculinity like it's oh, not yeah. super strong but like uh-huh. i mean it's not as strong as, as it's well, not it's strong but like I, it's not as strong as like the the religious stuff i would say it's and it's maybe influenced or informed by it that yeah. this is like a very traditional old-fashioned conservative man yeah um but i think like Maria Bello just being in bed and then Terrence Howard and Viola Davis literally being like, let him do what he wants. We're mm-hmm. not going to be part of it anymore. I think kind of takes out a lot of the dramatic tension of having this kid in this cage, in this like hot mm-hmm. box where I think like the movie probably would have been more tense or more even thematically on point. If all the parents we're like, we've got nothing here. We don't know what you're talking about. No, nothing's going on. And they're all participating in this thing. Meanwhile, their kids are being potentially tortured or held hostage somewhere else. And so they've become the very thing that they're fighting to stop. And so, like, those yeah. thematic elements, I think, would have been heightened if it was more than just Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. And if, like, I don't know, if, like, the the their own criminal act or acts were becoming closer and closer to being discovered while they're also trying to go on the run to get this actual kidnapper. Um, But it feels like kind of like 
The only one who really is even aware that maybe something's going on is Jake Gyllenhaal. And he, like, kind of looks into it, but mostly is like, ah, I'm, I'm not that interested. So I think, like, for that reason, that's why the second act kind of felt like it's, like, they're not any more at risk for being discovered for having kidnapped uh, Alex. And we're not really, as an audience, any closer to figuring out exactly who kidnapped the girls. Because it keeps, it's it's red herrings the whole time until we get to Melissa Leo. And then it's like, up, oh, it's me. It's me the whole time. Yeah. And that doesn't feel like it's as like, oh, of course this is where we must go with this, with this premise. Um, it's kind of, I, I don't know. Those are my notes. I'm with you. Um, but I thought there were some beautiful shots in this. I'll just go through some shots that I thought were great. The tailgate of the RV. So as we're pulling the camera back and the girls are playing in the street, watching the tailgate creep into the frame, mm-hmm. very unsettling, very Denis. Denis just knows how to do those little flourishes. Um, mm-hmm. The various, the montage of Jake Gyllenhaal visiting the sex offenders is haunting. Mm-hmm. Of like him behind a like foggy fast food restaurant window talking to somebody you can't see the face of him uh what were the other spots that he goes to like just a house i would say there's one where he's like in he's in the house talking to somebody but you're outside the house and so you're just like looking through the window and looking at their conversation it's all like all of those sequences until he goes into the priest's house yeah. Or, like, from afar. Like, you're just, like, observing, but you're not actually hearing what's happening. You're just, like, ugh. Yeah, chilling. And to land on a church is really a statement. Uh, it's also funny that uh, Paul Dana's character's name is Alex Jones. Alex Jones being yeah. the real big shithead. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, I would also beat with... Uh, my fists and a hammer, if I could. Alex oh, Jones, yeah. <laughs> not Paul Dano. Yeah, yeah I was um, like, whoa. <laughs> when Paul Dano is getting summoned from his little like nook in the in the car, when Jake Gyllenhaal's like, "Put your hands up! Put your hands up!" Are Paul Dano's hands very small? They were like children sized hands. Uh, when <laughs> oh. <laughs> This is so weird. Zoom just made me raise my hand because I said hand. What? Okay, I'm going to lower my hand now. That was weird. What the fuck? Anyway, uh, it just seems like Paul Dano's hands were like children's hands in that scene. That's all. That was the note. Um, it, did. <laughs> it didn't register for me, but okay. Um, I guess I don't have that many other shots. There are some... I for some reason the one that I remembered when I was like oh I've I've seen prisoners but I don't remember a lot of the details I really specifically remember Jake Gyllenhaal watching yeah I just looked up his hands <laughs> because I was like I don't remember this but I remember there being something weird about his hands uh, just noticing it from there will be blood and he's got like super long thumbs <laughs> they're like the size of oh. Oh, he he's mostly palm. There's not much finger. I see. I see. Oh, interesting. I'm gonna look this up now too. <laughs> Listener, oh, it said pause, I tried pause to look the up. episode and and Google Paul Dano fingers. 
I just typed it no, in. No, I did hands. I did that too, and it auto-filled with handsome. And I was like, aw. Aw. That's nice. I mean, he but actually this does be, have good this is, hands. This is how we can be interactive, right? Like, yeah. you know, pod, podcasting is not necessarily an interactive medium, but come on, listener, join us on this journey. Okay, I mean, he he has <clears throat> nice-looking hands. Anyway, um... What what uh that was just a note. Uh so I thought the eye tick was a cool touch. I already mentioned that, but I think that little extra hard blink that Jake Gyllenhaal does. Mm. I would have liked it to be a more consistent, to be more present throughout, because I think that really does inform the character, but it was nice to have a little detail like that anyway, and something that I remember uh specifically. Which also, okay, now this reminds me of a topic that I definitely want to talk about. How have we not, and when will we get a movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Gosling starring opposite each other? How have we not gotten that already? I think maybe once Jake gets on Ryan's level. Whoa. Oh, damn. Whoa. Damn. Coming with teeth. <laughs> I was just going to say, because him having that neck tattoo... And Ryan Gosling having the face tattoo in oh, Place Beyond the Pines. Off. Prisoners and Place Beyond the Pines feel like they could exist in the same world. They're both the same length. So they sure are. <laughs> let's, let's never forget that. I remember liking Place Beyond the Pines a lot better. I mean, it's great. I think I like it too more. Um, I don't know. I don't oh. have a fair representation of that movie because the only time I've seen it, I was like, it's really late. I shouldn't start a movie. And Matt was like, it's only 90 minutes. And I was like, okay, fine. Turns out it's two and a half hours. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it's like three you specific acts. And I thought each one was 30 minutes. I was like, they're all 45 minutes or longer. <laughs> <laughs> Oopsie. Do you know what else is about that same length? What? John Wick Hell 4. Yeah. Oh, John Wick 4 is even longer, girl. I said about... I know, I'm just saying you're shortchanging Archeanu. Like, give him the extra 20 minutes that he deserves. <laughs> oh, my God. Can I do a quick tangent? When, when have we ever <laughs> stopped? <laughs> I was like, when, when have we ever not done that? <laughs> I, was with, I was with Becca uh, yesterday, and I said... We were, we were climbing um, with Chris, which is, I guess, a friend of the original True. film. Fest. Yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah, that's we right. were climbing, and uh, Becca was like, every time I, like, am hanging, she's like, I feel like Tom Cruise. Mission Impossible 2. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, I'm, it's all I'm going to think of every time I go climbing now. And then later on, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm seeing John Wick 4 on Friday. And she's like, I still haven't seen any of them. And then Chris was like, yeah, but we did a... Um, they, I guess they did a like a cruise week where they just watched Tom Cruise oh, movies, fun. and but they were like, but we should do a Keanu re- week, and I was like, he is more handsome, and Becca just goes, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> and then I go, and then I go, and he's a better action star or action hero, and she just goes, I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> Also, for her bachelorette, we're seeing Mission Impossible 7 in IMAX. Fuck, yes. That's, a, Proud that's of you. incredible. 
<laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's like the gonna be the best best show at party. <laughs> Holy shit, that's amazing. Um, yeah, but I just like that me talking about Keanu. I I then explained why, and she's like, I can see that, but I like the she likes the clean, crisp Tom Cruise style versus like the realistic yeah. Keanu style. Yeah, but <clears throat> it was just funny. It was funny. I think some people would agree with you too. I don't think it's that hot of a take. No, I think it's more that perhaps it came across as a betrayal. Because <laughs> I think we both loved Minority Report when it first came Good. out. And Mission Impossible as well. We were really cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, do you have... Also, Colin Farrell was in Minority Report. Shout out. Shout out to Colin Farrell. <laughs> Shout out to... Uh- um, at one point, the, an alarm goes off on a microwave at 2.05. And I was like, what is this? How can something go off at 2.05? I don't know. Did you... In the morning? I don't know. It was just on... We get a very clear shot of the microwave, and it goes beep, beep, beep. But it's at 2.05, and it doesn't move. So well, it's just like... Was somebody, like, reheating what? something? Yeah, but what are you... You're not stop. What, are you stopping at 2.05? Or maybe was it was it, 2.05 in the morning. Some people do that. Or 2.05 in the afternoon. Or the afternoon. But why is the clock just showing 2.05 with no difference, with no change? If anyway. the timer's going Time off. doesn't move that fast. Yeah, I was going to say. A like microwave? Sh- I'm sure that it wasn't on there for a full second. So the, the timer goes off and the camera goes to the microwave. And then it's 2.05. I genuinely don't remember what you're talking about. So well, I, no I wrote it down because it was it <laughs> yeah. confused me. So if anyone actually saw what I saw, email the pob at 1ffilmfestival at gmail.com. <laughs> we'll look over your review. Um, I have an alternate title for this movie. Doubt. Oh, shit. Yeah. Because the whole movie's about like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Similarly... Tough hang. Similarly. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Similarly, uh, star-studded cast. Similarly, Vi- Viola Davis. Yeah. Um, I never saw it. When Viola Davis puts the picture of her daughter in front of Paul Dano and says... Wait, guys. At- is it Viola or Viola? I think it's Viola Davis. I've always said Viola Davis. Oh. Viola is the... Well, instrument. Yeah, I thought I thought that the word was pronounced the same both ways. So I've pronounced it wrong every single time I've said it in this episode. Well, I've said Paul Dano, and, and no one corrected and Colin me, said and no Paul one corrected Dano. me. So we're so not even in agreement. They're both canceled too. Okay. <laughs> We've all been canceled, but Tierney's been canceled the most for wanting Terrence Howard to be back in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> um. But what, when I did I'm just kidding. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> um. Anyway, when Viola Davis shows the picture to Paul Dan, it's like, "Look at my little girl." I was like, "He cannot look at anything right now. He has no eyeballs. He can't see through his skin. <laughs> he has no eyeballs. <laughs> he has no eye- visible eyeballs. He's been beaten into uh, a melon. It's like he's not looking at anything." Mm-hmm. 
Um, so bad technique. I was like, you know, try a different method. You can't make him look at a picture. I think he could open one of his eyes a little bit. I don't know. It looked bad. But also try a different method besides Yeah, I think that's where we, let's start there. It literally doesn't work. Let's start there. Let's start with not torturing him at all. (laughs) As a longtime watcher of the Fox original drama series 24, uh, the idea of torture is something that's frequently brought up uh, in the adventures of Jack Bauer. And uh, the lesson that I learned from that show is it's not good. I was so ready to cancel you. (laughs) Not walking into that trap. Um, Okay, the last note that I have, and I think is an interesting character aspect of uh, Hugh Jackman's character that we haven't discussed. He's a doomsday prepper. And Mm -hmm. that was a really interesting angle to be like, he's prepared and, and like uh, paranoid about the world around him uh but man again his performance when he looks at that picture of the sock brutal he's an amazing actor i think that's what i mostly want to want to end my notes on is just hugh jackman is a great actor always brings it no matter what he's in i think he's the best of this movie and uh you know the fountain being wait sorry 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 he Hugh Jackman is the best performance in this movie, yes, or this correct. is Hugh Jackman's That's best. What okay. I mean. All right. Best performance. Because the in way this you movie. said it, I thought it was maybe the latter, and I was like, no. Like we we cannot endorse this buffoonery. No. <laughs> Captain Hook in the movie Pan is his best performance. Uh, <laughs> I haven't even seen it. As you said it, I was like, I don't even think I've seen more than five movies. <gasps> that can't be true. He's in Tyranny. so many movies. Have you seen Les Mis? That's one of them. Have you seen The have Fountain? Have you seen any? Yeah, you watched The Fountain. Yeah, because you made yeah. us watch Have you watched uh, any X-Men movie? But I, to be honest, I, I forgot he was in it. I haven't seen a single <laughs> X-Men movie. Listener, what? The, the look on Matt's face when Tierney just subtly shaded The Fountain. His performance in The Fountain. The forgetting that he's... Things. Jesus. <laughs> I just forgot he was in it. How though? He's the best part of it. <laughs> he's the only. He's like the only the consistent gravitas. part of the entire movie. He's in all three acts. Yeah, but in my mind, it it's was a Rachel just like Vice a vehicle. White dude with dark hair. <laughs> the fountain is a Rachel Vice vehicle. <laughs> yeah, that too, it is. Yeah. Like, I mean, both of them deliver star, uh, you know, all-time career performances in that movie. Uh, wow. But it's like that in my mind that could easily have been Colin Farrell. You haven't seen Kate and Leopold. No, you haven't. I've seen the cover. You haven't seen Australia. Uh, no, you haven't, you seen, haven't seen The Greatest Showman, Matt's favorite movie of all time. No, nope. this is Ben. No, <laughs> uh, this is a fun game. Though, I was gonna say, what if the rest seen... of the episode is just us listing Hugh Jackman movies and Tierney <laughs> saying no. <laughs> I mean, you are you are. I mean, the fact that you've seen no X Men movies is like twenty years of his career because that, that's yeah. why he looks like this. Uh, Van huge. Helsing. Van Helsing seems like nope. something you would have fucked with when you were in middle school. Oh yeah, because I was into it as a little gay freshman. I was like, ooh, <laughs> vampires and witches. Neat. Uh, the Prestige. No. 
You no. haven't seen The Prestige? No. Uh, what about Real Steel? Never even heard of it's it. Rock of Sock and Robots, the movie. Yeah. It's a boxing robot movie. Mm. I know what Rock'em Sock'em Robots are, man. Yeah, but 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 this one is they they box. Damn, maybe Tierney. Okay. I'm looking over. I'm just like trying to think of ones that she maybe has seen. We were very and shocked, we hit, and we we, we hit you a lot lied, of the major ones. But you were telling the truth the whole time. We should have believed you from the beginning. Oh, but she, you definitely <laughs> saw Chappie. I forgot no. he was in Chappie. Wow. <laughs> Uh, I saw Les Mis. I'm looking at his thing right now. Um, yeah, I think that uh, really might be damn. it. And I guess The Fountain, because Matt made us watch that. You're missing out on one of the best performers of our time. He is good. That's literally, I just looked through his whole... So there's there's way more Wolverine in here than I thought. Like, and I knew that that was like a major part of his career, but there's it's still sad. way more than I thought there was. I'm just like scrolling through, I'm like, Jesus Christ! Because there's four solo uh, Wolverine movies. Three, four. What's the X Men Origins? Oh, the oh. Wolverine and Logan. <laughs> three. Right. Okay, fine. Three. <laughs> And then he was in Days of Future Past. But I was going to say, then he was in the the original trilogy, so there's six right there. Plus and Days he's a cameo Past. in all he... the new ones. But he also just, doesn't he do a lot of theater? He does do a lot of theater, yeah. The Music Man. Wasn't he in The Phantom of the no. Opera? That's Gerard Butler. <laughs> <laughs> when you said, like, different white man with, like, brown hair, yeah. Sometimes right. it's Gerard Butler. <laughs> Sometimes it's Colin Farrell. Sometimes it's Gerard Butler. That is that's who he's competing against for these roles. Um, I don't have too much more to say on this movie. I do have a question. Does anybody have? I don't. Let me preface this question. But does anybody have any opinions on the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal's character's name is Loki? I don't know what it means. Just seems weird. He's not a trickster. But it yeah. seems it seems symbolic in classic via Nuve stash uh, whatever. What was I saying? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I was gonna try and help you out. I My really brain just <laughs> melted. Fashion. 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 There you go, <laughs> um, um and then one other shot that I really liked was the f- I mean, I think they all looked really cool, but the first time the camera goes into the little uh, darkness box. Oh, yeah. And there's just, like, a little bit of light. Like, it's almost the entire frame is black, but there's just, like, a little bit of light, and it's just on one of Paul Dano's super fucked up eyes. Yeah. And, like, the first time it happened, I was like, where are, like, where is the camera? What's happening? And then when it finally clicked, I was like, oh, this looks really, like, it's just a really unique shot. Yeah. That you're just like, Deacons. You fucking get it. <laughs> Deacons. And, man, when uh, the guy sneaks into the house and then they go upstairs and you get the repeat shot of what you just saw. Mm-hmm. And you're like, huh, where is he? Yeah. He's just he's in this hallway somewhere. Uh, very stressful. Like a really, a really nice way to play with, like, you're literally not doing any music. You're not doing any special shots or 
there's nothing hidden in this frame. It's just seeing what you just saw and then editing to new people being in that exact space. Uh, very smart, very mm-hmm. effective. Um, uh, Dylan Minnette, uh, the son. Barely used. Just screamed at by Hugh Jackman <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> When he's trying to defend the mom. Has to murder a deer and then just gets yelled at. Poor Dylan Minnette. Fucked up shit. Uh, do we want to talk a little bit about where this movie fits in Denise oeuvre? Yeah. I think it's really... So... Let me pull up. I think I have it. Yeah, there it is. Um, so the movie that he made right before Prisoners is... Uh, on Sandy's, the one that really did our pop on, which I think is like very similar in some ways where there's just like, it's like pretty uh-huh. dark, like fucked up f- familial shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, like the broad strokes of the story are different, but I think a lot of like the, like the themes of just like the, the weird darkness between people. Um, yeah is is like very present um and then so he followed this up with enemy which isn't like like is dark but in a different way and is more just kind of like weird but like is still has very similar like moody vibes and then i think all of that like like dark fucked up shit gets to its apex in sicario where what a run yeah, God bless him. But then, then he turns to Arrival, which is, like, pretty optimistic. And, yeah. like, it's not light, necessarily, but it's certainly in comparison to his other stuff. It's thoughtful. It's very, like, ponderous. Yeah, and I feel like that, like, at some point between Sicario and Arrival, he just, like, flipped a switch. And, because, like, now, so, like, it's Arrival then Blade Runner 2049, and then Dune, which are, like, adaptations, so, like, existing IP for two of those, well, all three of those, I guess. All sci-fi. They're all, like, sci-fi related, but, like, none of them are, like, nearly as fucked up as his, like, earlier movies. Yeah. Like, I think, like, Dune has, like, a couple moments that are kind of fucked, and, like, Blade Runner 2049 is a little bit messed like whatever the fuck Jared Leto's doing in that movie is pretty weird but like for the most part I feel like he I don't know I'm just like it's interesting that it's they're all still family stuff sure yeah at the at the core of each of those movies is still yeah interesting yeah that's a a fair point I yeah I just think arrival it seemed like he was like going down a Fincher path and right. then at some point decided he was like, I don't know if I want to do this. But isn't the Fincher path the same thing? Like now he's directing stuff like Social Network or Girl with I the think... Dragon Tattoo is pretty grim. But like, I feel Gone like his Girl? early stuff I mean... was really gritty. And then even more recently, his stuff is a little more. I don't, I mean, he's his next movie is a movie that's literally called The Killer. All right, fine. <laughs> Wow. And like, and he like didn't make movies for a while because he was making Mindhunter. <laughs> like, sure, okay. And, fine. and so, like, I, I, I agree with you that I think there are some like Mank is not super dark or gritty, um, 
but I do think that, like, Fincher is still, like, in his bag when he's, like, really just, like, digging into, like, the, like, the darkness of everything. And I feel like Villeneuve was, like, in that zone for a while and then was just kind of like, huh? What if I don't? <laughs> like, what well, I, like... it's interesting that like Incendies is the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, prisoners very grounded in reality. Like there's suggestions of like creepy kind of occult <laughs> stuff, but nothing's really. It's like True Detective in that yeah. way. Um, and then Enemy, Enemy, which is, is also... maybe suggestive <laughs> of some sort of supernatural element, but like more psychological. Yeah. Um. And then you get Sicario, which is the real world. It's, you know, an actual, maybe the most realistic of all of them. Yeah. And then there's just his sci-fi oeuvre. So it's really like two eras. It's like the real grounded, dark, like hard realism. And then sci-fi. This like kind of like lofty, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Sometimes optimistic, sometimes cautionary sci-fi stories. Yeah. I love Villeneuve. Bless him. Bless him always. And it's funny that also the pre- the two previous ones that we did for this pop were his... Oh, I guess not his first movies. Incendies was not his first movie. No, right? yeah. Okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> Scratch that from the record. <laughs> uh, were you going to say his right. first movie and his last movie? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oopsie. Uh, okay. Categories? Categories? Jinx. I can't say anything for the rest of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think the tattoo ideas, the, oh, maze the maze is, like, definitely the right answer, even though the, the connotation of the maze is really fucked up. Clearly, <laughs> it's the neck tattoo. Ew. No. <laughs> uh, tattoo that is. Are you? Did you guys ever listen to Aziz Ansari's stand-ups? No. No. Uh, in his first one, he was talking about the MTV dating show Next, mm-hmm. and he has a line uh, where he's talking about how like the characters, like the characters, the contestants on Next would all like walk out of the bus and like say something really insane. It's <laughs> like the one that the example that he used is if he has a neck tattoo, I'm going to lick it. <laughs> and so, whenever I hear the phrase neck tattoo, all I can think about is if he has a neck tattoo. I'm going to lick it. Melissa Leo should have <laughs> licked Jake Gyllenhaal's neck in this. Also, Melissa Leo is like two years older than Christian Bale. And played his mom. What? An insult. She's not old. I know she's not old, but like... But then they like put her in this thing, like, because this is only two years after the fighter. So they were like, okay, now you'll just play old women, and then we don't have to actually hire older women to play old women. We'll just hire somebody in their, like, early 50s to play elderly ladies. It's weird. Uh... Just like processing right now. That's yeah. <laughs> like, wait, what? It's rude. Uh, I, I that can't be true. Hold, please. Look it up. Bitch. Christian Bale is forty nine. Melissa Leo is sixty two. 
Okay, still not. A- <laughs> <laughs> that is a thirteen-year age difference. Now, is that three a little- months? Thirteen just- years. <laughs> like, is that a little tight for somebody to be somebody's mother? Maybe, but I think it's not nearly as ridiculous as you made it seem. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine. Uh, would you guys watch this movie on an airplane? God, no. Absolutely no. not. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> Just the hardest no. <laughs> yeah, we uh, usually don't have ones as clear cut as this, but yeah. yeah. No, this is, this for no reason is this a good movie to be watching. I was going to say, like, and no matter how you, like, no matter what your metric for why you would or would not watch something on a plane, this movie fails every single metric. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, would you guys ha- spend time on this film set? Also going to be a no for me, dog. Yeah, it's a no. I would love to watch the craft of the people who are working in the movie. So the, the thing sets. about that is that you could just be on a different Denis Villeneuve movie. You could no, just be on a cast. different movie where Roger Deakins is in his bag. You could just be on a different movie. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a grim locale. It's a really bleak terrain. Yeah, it's also, like, raining constantly, which, like, I don't know enough about... Outside? Yeah, I don't know enough about, like, what happens in Pennsylvania in the winter, but... I also am claustrophobic, so, like, having to jump in a hole, wouldn't want to do that. (laughs) Yep, I don't want to do that. I like the idea that you're just, like, hanging out on this film set, and then they're like, hey, actually, you... Can you just come over here and jump in this hole real quick? If we just want to see. Uh, sure. Um, okay. Wait, and you just want me to just want me to get in the hole? Just get in yep. it. You're just gonna get in the hole. You're just gonna let us know what it's like down there, and then you're gonna crawl right back out. Uh, okay. Speaking of, what do we think happens after the camera after it cuts to black? Oh, they find him. It yeah. does not feel ambiguous. No, 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 I'm I'm not saying that it is ambiguous. I'm just like I remember it feeling if, ambiguous. I I also remember it feeling ambiguous, and so I, I was a little bummed that it was more clear cut. I'm like happy that it all works out. The only people that really get fucked is poor David Delma, Del, 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 Delmation. Um, that he's really the only one who gets the short end of the stick here. Uh, everyone else basically gets what's coming to them, except for poor Paul Dano. But even he. Gets to get reunited with his mom, so yeah, you know. it's not a it's not a sad ending, especially because that whistle go. I think the, probably there was an original cut where there was no whistle, and the studio was probably like, "You have to, you have to tell us Hugh Jackman is alive. You cannot, you cannot do that." See, my thought was like, my head cannon is like. Jake Gyllenhaal recognizes that there's a whistle, mm-hmm. but just chooses not to rescue Hugh Jackman. And I don't necessarily have like a like a rationale behind that, but that's just like what I would like to happen. And then as they're like excavating the property, they just like come across his body like two weeks down the line. Damn. No, I think they moved that car. I think he just did what he needed to do. He's a good cop. <clears throat> He solved right. every every case but that he's worked on, apparently. He solved so every one. So we're told. <laughs> he's a real uh, Benoit Blanc, if you will. What else? Oh, what what character would you want to play in this movie? 
Maria Bella so I can sleep all the time. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> if I have yeah, to be on the set, at least let me be in this bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think I'd probably want to do... I'd want to be Loki. I think that would be a fun role to play. Hmm. This one's really tough. I feel like usually I have like a pretty good idea of who I would want to play. And this one, I there's like no real good options. Maybe Terrence Howard's character. <laughs> just, this isn't right. This is just like, I get a little drunk, fuck up some songs on the trumpet. <laughs> and then I'm just like, I can't hang with you. Just beating <laughs> the living shit out of someone. <laughs> like, yeah, none of us want to be Paul Dano getting the shit beat out of us. Oh, no. Covered in that makeup. Shouts to the makeup team, though. That looks yeah. gnarly as fuck. So, Poor good job. God. Good job by them. Tierney, who would you play? Are you Viola Davis? Or are you Maria Bello, too? I oh, said you did? Maria okay. Bello. What did I, the email link I sent you, um, I sent you Zodiac 2 again, because the first time we tried to record this podcast... <laughs> Wow, blowing up my spot <laughs> for nothing. What did I do? I've been nothing but courteous to everyone. Tierney and this I hopped on the Zoom the other night, and that was like, oh, we're recording tonight? <laughs> so this is, this is a, Zodiac this is, 2, round 2. <laughs> this is a very long movie. I need a lot of time. In, in Matt's defense, there was some... There was some slight confusion around the recording date, so I'm I'm just yeah. I'm it's all in good fun, Matt. I'm not actually mad at you. But yeah, that is yeah, the email. Well that I, I sent quit. You. No more. <laughs> We're done. Um but yeah, this uh the Zodiac connections are, as we've already discussed, numerous, but I also thought it was fun that we've got you know, Jakey Jake is in both movies, and then mm-hmm. he's uh you know, up against a uh, superhero. So yeah. We've got, you know, Iron Man No Jake Gyllenhaal superhero movies either. Jake Gyllenhaal really doesn't have the career of uh, his uh, peers. I mean, he was Mysterio. Okay, well, sure. Yeah. And he also was the Prince of Persia. (laughs) That's not a superhero. (laughs) That's not a superhero, but it's like the same general concept of like video game adaptation, IP, existing IP, blockbuster, blockbuster play that didn't really pan out. It's similar to a superhero gamble. But Michael Fassbender being an Assassin's Creed is a closer comparison. Sure. But, I mean, Michael Fassbender was Magneto. Magneto Mysterio. (laughs) Look at these two. All the M.O.s. Uh, This movie was nominated for a single Academy Award. I mentioned... Deeks. Deeks, yeah. Deeks. Mm. Yeah, Deeks. Do you know what he lost to? himself no <laughs> he's good but he's not quite that good <laughs> no 2049 was the first time he ever won which is oh, insane wow Criminal. Uh, he lost to gravity which like okay yeah, yeah. sure <laughs> yeah, like you're this movie looks really good all things considered but yeah you're gonna lose to gravity like that's just yeah. how that's gonna go <laughs> checks out I'll also pick Alfonso before Denis any day of the week. Wow. Hmm. See, I 
we were having this conversation with friend of the pop gym the other day. And I think here's, here's my stance. Like we can just be excited for more than one director. Like we can be excited when Alfonso Cuaron has a new movie. We can be excited when Denis has a new movie. We don't have to put, we don't have to yeah, like pit them against each other. But he does it for you guys. That's true. Okay. That's fair. That's more of what I was okay. getting at. <laughs> All right. I'll allow. I don't know if it was eligible. Cause I know that there's like, there, they had issues with other Denis projects um but i think the score for this movie is really solid like it's Johan not johansson yeah it's not like much of a score but like when it's there it's like really doing an effective job of setting the mood yeah um i think the score for um sicario and arrival are better mm-hmm. but i do think that it is good in this movie but i also ca- i can't like in good conscience, argue for many more categories for this particular film. Yeah, I think Jackman probably could have nabbed one for lead performance. All right, who are you Uh, kicking out? Matthew McConaughey, Dallas Buyers Club, Christian Bale, American Hustle, Bruce Stern, Nebraska, Leonardo DiCaprio, Wolf of Wall Street. All three. Chiwetel Ejiofor, for 12 Years a Slave. Keep him, wipe out the other three. (laughs) You can't get rid of Leo. Oh, can't I? No, not in that movie. I don't care about it. <laughs> and Nebraska is so good. Oh, God. Nebraska was so boring. I love Nebraska. And I love Bruce a lot of people in do. Nebraska. <laughs> I was not as charmed as everyone else. But 2013 was a weird year for the Oscars. It was a weird year. A funky-ass year. Oh, that was the year of her. Where the year. fuck is Joaquin in that best actor list? That's a better point. I would choose Joaquin over Hugh Jackman. Criminal. All right, that's it. We did it. Prisoners, did congratulations, it. everyone. We're freed. Ooh. All right, let's run through it quickly since we've got some complaints about how long these episodes are running. I'm just saying. From the people who are on the, on the Zoom yeah. chat. We don't need to Not blow it up. <laughs> We've had some complaints from participants. (laughs) (laughs) From fellow sharing people. Um, Uh, I'll go. I haven't done much, but I started listening to a podcast called All My Relations, and it is very good. Would recommend. What's the premise? Every every week, I think it's every week, they have a guest on to talk about... um, issues or topics concerning like indigenous uh, communities mm. in the United States. Um, But they're like, the hosts are like, it's two women and they, they just have like great banter and it's also informative at the same time. Um, So I've listened to like, there was a, they just started a new season and I uh, was backlogged. So I listened to like four this week. And then I started reading the book Leonard and and uh, Hungry Paul, which I've seen in bookstores and just like the cover. And I started reading it, and it's actually, like, very kind of delightful. Aww. It's, like, two guys who both lived at home in their 30s, but they're, like, it's just, like, a very, like, calm book. <laughs> I'm liking it so far. Um, and then I watched a documentary my sister recommended called uh, What Was Ours?, and it is about the artifacts from the Arapaho Nation ending up not on those mm. lands and trying to get it mm. back and they actually go to the field oh, museum cool. and i was like man if they go to the field museum and they don't fucking show the rolling shelves in the basement 
Have I told you guys about the rolling shelves? Well, they're in the documentary, Ooh. but um, are they shelves that it's roll like around? A, no, they're like uh, in college the periodical. Oh yeah, rolling oh. shelves. So it's so you can so you can fit more in a sh- in a smaller space. And the rolling shelves in the basement when I went, I just went on like random ones, and it was like all artifacts what? from tribes and <clears throat> nations across the country, and I was like, this feels not great (laughs) but it's also everything in that museum is Mm -hmm. like that like whether you're Mm -hmm. like exhuming bodies from egypt or what and so when they were like working with i guess a lot of their artifacts are in the field museum but they're not even on display they're just in the basement part of the collection then yeah so then they went to it and i was like man if they don't show those shelves and then they did i was like oh good (laughs) (laughs) but um, it was good. It was a it was a really well made documentary, and I did not know that casinos can have exhibits. Like there's a casino. This is on the Wind River Reservation, so there's a casino on the Wind River Reservation that has uh, an exhibit that they curated mm-hmm. themselves. And then Potawatomi is the one in Milwaukee, and I guess there's an exhibit there too. Mm. So my sister and I might try and go. Nice. And that's all. I can go because I haven't done too much. Uh. The last time we recorded for Itania was the Wednesday night before March Madness started. And so I spent basically all weekend watching basketball and it was fucking awesome. Uh, in addition to... How's Marquette doing? Uh, they're still in it. They're in the Sweet 16. Hmm. So games start up again in a couple days. So I'll keep wow. you posted. Um, I... Like how you have to keep me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they went to the Sweet Sixteen when I was there. Jimmy got buckets, wow. and then we lost. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, one of my brackets had uh, Marquette and Arizona meeting in the Final Four, and I was like, I texted Tierney, I was like, Hey, it's you and JC. <laughs> <laughs> and then Arizona lost, so that sucked oh. for me personally. <laughs> um, while watching basketball, I also found time to binge the entire third season of Outer Banks, which mm. continues to How? be as delightfully trashy as you could ever want a TV show to be. <laughs> so they, uh, spoiler alert, they're, they're, uh, they're looking for El Dorado this time around, so... <laughs> So you've got that to look forward to whenever <laughs> whenever you get around to OBX3. Uh, cannot recommend that show saw... highly enough. It's so trashy and so fun, and it got renewed for a fourth season, and I am just, I'm just delighted. <laughs> I saw a TikTok where a girl was imitating a college male, and so it was like, oh, like basically someone you would like go home with and maybe hook up with later, but it was like a just things he was saying and then one of them was want to watch Outer Banks and in the comments all of these girls were like why do they all I don't know why current college students are watching it but I can tell you why I watch it it is like the perfect combination of uh, the Goonies which I have loved since I was a child so there's like the nostalgia factor there and the OC, which I also unabashedly love. So it's like two nostalgia points meeting together. 
and 34 year old Colin is like, yes, please. <laughs> so, uh, and then I, well, last couple things I saw cocaine bear and I think we talked briefly about it when Matt saw it a couple weeks ago. I think it's like, <clears throat> it's definitely, I texted this to Matt. I was like, it's definitely dumb enough, but I don't think it's fun enough is how I would describe my thoughts yeah. on cocaine bear. There are like moments of it that I was like, okay, this is awesome. And then there's a lot of it where I was like, eh, I think we could have tried a little bit harder. I agree. <laughs> Even in a movie called fun. Cocaine Bear, I feel like we could have tried a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> having said that, spoilers for Cocaine Bear. So if you, if listener has not seen it and doesn't want anything spoiled, you know, fast forward a couple times. But at one point, uh, the the titular Cocaine Bear brings some cocaine back to its den and you find out that there are cocaine cubs and it is so fucking cute. <laughs> They're just like <laughs> fully powdered like from head to toe. One of the characters is like, they look like polar bears. And they're just like playing around in just a duffel bag full of coke. And it's so cute. <laughs> it is very cute. I also halfway through the movie was like, oh, I think what the twist is going to be is that it's actually been cocaine bears that we've been interacting mm. with. Um, so the Cubs reveal was like, oh, well, I wasn't totally wrong. Yeah. There are cocaine <laughs> bears in this. <laughs> Two of them are just very cute, though. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about is I saw an advanced screening of a movie called How to Blow Up a Pipeline last night. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. Really good. Um, it's like a bunch of people who you like maybe have seen in some small stuff, but it's like mostly unknowns. Um, it was shot on film and you can like, like, you can tell it was like very, like just really like gritty, like not in a bad way, but just like really like you can tell that it was just like a super indie production that they're all just like, let's do this thing together. Um, and it's like set up like a heist movie. And so like, you just like are dropped into this world and like over over the course of like the hour and a half ish of the movie, you like get, you get the background of like why each one of these people is participating in this attempt to blow up a gas, like an oil pipeline. Um, but like, it just starts and you're just like there and they're just like working on building bombs to blow up a pipeline. <laughs> and so like wow. the whole time you're just like, shit, are they going to blow themselves up or are they going to like actually accomplish their task? Um, and I, I thought it was really good. Um, so I would, it's based on a nonfiction book. This, the movie itself is fiction, but it's based on a nonfiction book that I feel like I want to check out. Um, but I really like the movie. I believe it's opening in theaters April 7th. So uh, here's your early tip, listener. Go check out How to Blow Up a Pipeline in a couple weeks. I'll watch it. Do it. I'll probably recognize the actors. I'll from, do it. I remember the trailer and being like, oh, I like these people. Yeah, I was looking at them, like, after I got home from the movie last night, I was like, why do some of these people look familiar? And, like, almost all of them were on one Netflix show or another. <laughs> like, they all, sure. like, been in some stuff, but it's usually, like, kind of, like, deeper cut Netflix things. <laughs> but, um, but I thought they were all really good. I think, like, the some of the... Like, the dialogue, I think, is a little weak. Like, there's a couple moments where I was like, oof. Um, but I, uh, 
like the like I said the the story itself and like the 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 premise of it being like a heist movie was like made it really compelling and so the moments where I was like eh, this is maybe a little iffy like rough around the edges I was I was able to look over those pretty easily so good that's it that's it um I didn't watch anything new I've been uh reading about art and uh, my project that I've been working on is due tomorrow, and I'm overthinking it and stressing, uh, but I'm going to do it. Uh, but I did, to wrap up a different, what I've been doing from a previous episode, I finished that King's deep dive article that was written by mm. Kevin Von Arendonk and another writer, and... Jackson McHenry? That's... Yes, Okay. Uh, it was. Um, and this pull quote is the one that I wanted to share, uh, which was from the actor uh, who played one of the like the Kingsguard people. But he was like, every time we ran into Ian McShane on set, he's just the most jolly. He's like, oh, I got to send you this YouTube. And it was just <laughs> YouTube links that were viral videos. We were sending them to each other. Ridiculous. He was talking about them all the time on set. That Leprechaun video, that was the one he sent me. <laughs> Which made me cackle to think of Ian McShane being like, oh, I've got to send you this really funny video. And then it just being like the Alabama, the mobile Alabama leprechaun, which is like insane. That's iconic. I also, the idea of anybody describing Ian McShane as jolly, like... Blows my mind. Like, I'm sure he's a wonderful human being, but, like, every character he plays on TV is just a total dick. Yeah, (laughs) just an intimidating presence. (laughs) I think, I mean, obviously, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis did a great job as Daniel Plainview, but I could see Ian McShane Mm. doing a pretty good job, and I feel like if he had been uh, Daniel Plainview, he probably would have delivered the closing line like, I'm finished. 